It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. In a little while, we're going to talk to Brad Blakeman, GOP strategist, worked for both Bush administrations. But more importantly, his brother just won the Nassau County Supervisor position, prestigious uh, in Nassau County, uh, in New York, uh, which went to a Republican from a Democrat. Bruce Blakeman uh, could be with us as well in a couple of hours, but that is major news. Uh, it is one of the places where the red wave took place, and it, the red wave rippled through, uh, rippled through Long Island and portions of New York. And you know why? Mainly because of this bail reform. When you're letting criminals out the same day and emptying out the prisons and the streets suddenly were safe and no longer safe, and while you're defaming and demeaning cops and cutting the budget, not a good combination. And the Mer- American people let everybody know at the ballot box. We'll talk about that, so let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Your administration is planning to pay illegal immigrants who are separated from their families at the border up to $450,000 each, possibly a million dollars per family. Do you think that that might incentivize more people to come over illegally? If you guys keep sending that garbage out, yeah. So this is a garbage report. Yeah. <laughs> really? Is President Biden lying or just left out of the loop? The report of him paying 450000 to separated illegal immigrants during the Trump administration is essentially confirmed by the ACLU and... The Wall Street Journal story last week was not denied by anyone in the administration while he was overseas. What is going on in that administration? Number two. I can assure you, black voters in Virginia are not shocked by the so-called Yunkin shocker. This isn't about enthusiasm. This is about the fact that a good chunk of voters out there are okay with white supremacy. Do you believe this? How are Dems interpreting the 50-state rebuke They're calling everybody racist that voted for Republicans and doubling down on a very, very dicey and controversial agenda. Number one. I think that the vote showed last night that many people, uh, the partisanship was not the issue. Many people really want to have efficient public safety and are pro-police in that regard. They do want officers to be able to respond to calls for service uh, that was uh, Carmen Bass, former police chief in Seattle. Red wave rocks the Democrats. Where were the gains? Law and order is supported in almost every state. What does it mean for the wildly irresponsible to fund the police movement? We're really damaged the Democrats. And even the Democrats admit it defunded uh, it demeaned them and hurt them and almost lost them the House in the last election. Keep in mind, you might point out that Joe Biden, who never left his basement, got 80 million votes. But Donald Trump got 75 million. That's more than any Republican in history and about nine million more than he got when he got elected the first time. And that's important to know this time. So what happened in Virginia? There was huge legislative gains in Virginia. We have a a Republican governor for the first time in nine cycles, nine cycles. Unbelievable. In New Jersey, 10 seats gained in the blue in a very blue state house. And in New Jersey, Phil Murphy ekes out a win over an unknown challenger, Jack Chitterelli, 
who really was up most of the time, and he has not conceded because he would like, I believe, to a degree, even though it's not automatic, a recount. Uh, Stammy Williams writes, uh, who is his campaign communications director, uh, with the candidate set by a fraction of a percentage of, two, uh, of votes at a 2.4 million ballots cast, it is irresponsible of the media to make the call when the New Jersey Secretary of State doesn't even know how many ballots are left to be counted. I agree. What is the rush? What about the truck driver in New York, in New Jersey? This guy spent $153 on his campaign and upset the longtime president of the Senate, this guy Steve Sweeney, it seems. They haven't locked it up yet. Hopefully they're not so-called, air quotes, finding votes. But the big story is, if you look at what Joe Biden's done, the embarrassment in Afghanistan, the rising inflation, the supply chain glut, the border wide open, and they see his lack of action and his personal approval rating going from 54 to 42, and in one poll, 38. Why would you want more of the Democratic establishment, even though there are more Democrats in this country? And when people point out that Republicans make gains, they act like they're, uh, it's a white lash to use Uh, To use certain phrases from CNN, it's not, especially when a lot of the people elected are minorities like Winsome Sears. Winsome Sears is now the new lieutenant governor elect of Virginia. Her parents, Jamaican, black. She's black from Jamaica, the first generation born here. And guess what? Served as a Marine and now is lieutenant governor of Virginia. Here's what she said about those who claim that this is about white supremacy. Cut 10. What I want for us as black people, just leave us alone. Who died and left you in charge of all of us as black people so that we could be corralled into doing what you want us to do? I thought you said that you were the tolerant folks. Yeah, but they're not. I mean, look at some of the I'm going to read you some of these tweets before I move on and talk about what they should have learned from here. To me, it's nothing. And what I love about this, and I mean this, not sarcastic, you're using the race card so often it doesn't work anymore. To walk around and say people that voted for Glenn Youngkin are racist when you're talking about millions and when you talk about what's going on in school boards as a white lash or white people being upset that we're talking about slavery in America, we know that's idiotic. When you say CRT doesn't exist, we know that's a fallacy. So every bit of credibility is going by the boards, and the people you are upsetting are many on the left. But I'll give you, I'll give you an example when it comes to this election. So Jamel Hill, formerly of ESPN, now she's just on the sideline. I guess she's doing her own thing. She said, it's not the messaging, folks, meaning why Democrats suffered. This country simply loves white supremacy. What, what does that even mean? It's like walking into a bar and just saying, I hate all your uh, I hate all you people. Why? I'm not even mad at you. Who are you? Team Win- uh, uh, Winsome Sears tweeted back at Jamel Hill. We beg to differ. And she put out a picture of herself. She's black uh, with a gun in her hand. So I don't even know where that comes from. But it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Look at this headline of the Daily Beast on the op-ed. You damn Karens are killing America. The manufactured CRT panic isn't going away and will work wonders across the nation, especially with white moms and less Democrats confronted head on. Democrats need to take this seriously and develop a counter message. A counter message to teaching history accurately? Listen to what's going on. Economics was number one. Number two was education. But economics was num- the economy was number one by 10 points in Virginia, for example. 
And Joe Manchin realizes that. This is what he said to Brett last night, cut 13. I just saw it to confirm that we have a divided country. When you think of two blue states or one state, Virginia has been leaning blue and been fairly blue for 10 years. Georgia has always been historically blue. And to see what happened and how close and how divided. Can you imagine 2.2 million votes in New Jersey and 100 or 200 vote separation? How close it was in Virginia? Um, I think, I hope it's a wake up call for all of us. We but need to do our jobs. Take- huh. I would hope it's a wake up call. That's what it usually happens. I, I succinctly and sincerely remember President Obama coming out after he lost, I think, 63 seats in the House and lost the Senate. Uh, or barely lost, almost lost the Senate. And he said, I, we, it was a shellacking. You know, we got a message. God, the country's not happy. And then we moved from there. And then you could spin and you could uh, pivot. But now Democrats say the only problem is we haven't passed enough of our bad legislation. But James Carville, who got Clinton elected, he's also a high-paid consultant, said this. Big-time Democrats said this on C, on PBS. Got 20. Moving around with just stupid wokeness. All right, you don't just look at Virginia and New Jersey. Look at Long Island. Look at Buffalo. Look at Minneapolis. Even look at Seattle, Washington. I mean, just defund the police lunacy to take Abraham Lincoln's name off of schools. I mean, that people see that, and it it it, it it's it's just really have a suppressive effect all across the country. The Democrats. Some of these people need to go to a woke detox center or something. I mean, they're expressing a language that people just don't use. And there's a backlash and a frustration at that. Okay. No question. And you know who James Carville sounds like? Not Mitch McConnell. Not Tucker Carlson. He sounds like Bill Moore. He sounds like Dave Chappelle. He sounds like Jon Stewart. You might sit there and say to yourself that, you know, we should have free health care, free daycare, free preschool, free community college, uh, free Medicare, expanded Medicaid. But that's Bernie Sanders, who never accomplished anything in his life, saying things that don't happen in America in a free market. It's just not possible to have a safety net that deep. And that's what you're asking for. And when you criticize people and say they're racist when they push back on that or don't like women or poor people— After a while, you do that every day, nobody hears it. It just ends up being background noise. That's what I think. What do you think? 1-866-408-7669. Brad Blakeman, he'll put the Republican Republican perspective in perspective. You know, Brad comes on after good times and bad times. He has uh, seen it with Bush 41, uh, where he was a one-term president. He saw with Bush 43, he was a two-term president. He saw the big hurdles when it came to the crashing of the economy that John McCain faced afterwards and the controversy when the, the Iraq war went south after a great invasion. Uh, so you know all these times, this is a good time for Republicans because the pure performance of Democrats has made people revisit their philosophies. Unfortunately for everybody, Democrats are getting a totally different, uh, different interpretation of what went down on Tuesday. What do you think? one 408 7669 Back in a moment. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis. Because, man, do you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox & Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. 
It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I will say this. We had great wins. We have Eric Adams in, in New York. Um, in, in Ohio, we had with Miss Brown, Chantel Brown, a great win and a great, I think, what will be a great addition to the United States Congress. Yeah, that's right, uh, Kamala Harris. You had a great day. Fantastic. Eric Adams, in a, in a city dominated by Democrats, really won that seat. In maybe six months ago, uh, number two, uh, when you look at what happened in New Jersey, when you look at what happened with Virginia, please don't snow people and pretend that uh, you funding of those Black Lives Matters people that were put in jail and trying to get them bailed out sent the wrong message. Please bring up the fact that you actually uh, went to bat for the illegal immigrants at the border when there was Border Patrol on horses. That's when you said we got to get to the bottom of this thing when Haitians were trying to cross illegally. Please play the fact that, remember, Eric, what we had yesterday, Eric's our esteemed producer board op, remember the senator, uh, the senator term vice president made this comment when she made an appearance as a surrogate for none other than Terry McAuliffe himself. So now she went off prompter, and if you watch the appearance, she speaks straight ahead with prompter on either side. But then she gets starts ad-libbing off the prompter and gets herself in more trouble, especially when you look at the results. Every four years when this election happens for governor of Virginia, it's a tight election, it's a close election, and it is a bellwether for what happens in the rest of the country. What happens in Virginia will in large part determine what happens in 2022, 2024, and on. What is she thinking? Because now you have it, and as Newt Gingrich said, cut an ad right away. The vice president's saying, uh, I know you're not going to lose Terry McAuliffe, so I'll just put extreme circumstances to motivate people. Do you ever think what happens if he does lose by two or three points? The answer is, now you have to. I mean, that's with the person with child actors talking about space and pretending to be excited. Uh, she's the same person who goes to the border in a photo op and hasn't been back there since, who does a couple of Zoom calls with Central American nations and leaves and then sits down with, uh, with, um, um, with uh, the NBC and decides to say to NBC, uh, I haven't been to the border, but I haven't been to Europe either. 
I mean, this is really an inept group of Democratic leaders who really are getting their comeuppance as people go to the ballot box. And unless I see a pivot, the worst is yet to come. What I think is happening is Nancy Pelosi knows this is unpopular, but she also knows she's done with her political career and could not care less if she blows up other careers in the process. That's what I think. one 408 So in terms of people seeing problems, Stephanie Cutter worked for the Obama White House as an advisor on another network, said this about the Republicans' success. Cut 19. The one thing that we need to make sure that uh, Republicans in 2022 don't become is the party of parents, Mm -hmm. Uh, because we need to be the party of parents. (laughs) And and we are. We're the ones that care about school funding. We're the ones that care about making sure that parents can send their kids to school uh, because they have jobs to go to. You know, all of this, we need to own that agenda. We cannot let it go. And it's not just about critical race theory. It's It's coming out of COVID. It's parental frustration. It's parents being involved in their kids' schooling. Okay, a couple of things. Coming out of COVID, Governor Murphy was terrible. People say, well, he was so responsible, got strong marks. By who? Other Democrats? When you shut down businesses and a country and schools and we're slow to get off the mark, you're not being cautious, being irresponsible. Our economy goes for a reason, not because we print money and give it to people, because we earn it. People want to go back to work, and he was draconian in his uh, rules and regulations, and so was uh, and so in, in New York. Governor Cuomo... Uh, got embroiled in scandal, but he was not going to be reelected. He might even have been primaried because the arrogance. I also think there's a lot of truth to the statement that people are realizing for the first time how much powers governors have. So when you're able to shut down businesses, shut down beaches, shut down governments, shut down uh, uh, operations and, and, and regulate hospitals and then mandate vaccines, this is coming from governors and presidents. And people are pushing back, and they want some additional control. And wherever you look, it's Republicans trying to pull back. Clamp down when they absolutely have to, but pull back rapidly. Please tell me why you are not hearing reports about Florida being the lowest number of cases in the country. Why? Because Governor Ron DeSantis has a no-mask mandate for kids. Governor Ron DeSantis, when the Delta variant slammed his state, did not clamp down, offered advice— Offered, uh, offered guidelines, but did not demand. That's why that state's filling up, in my view. The other thing to keep in mind is what's going to be happening with the spending bill. Uh, they say they're going to have a vote on it this week. Now, they are, might be, in fact, pushing caution to the wind and saying, the heck with this, doesn't matter. We're going to lose the House anyway. Nancy Pelosi will push it forward. But if Nancy Pelosi votes on this, and they do have a majority on the reconciliation bill, which is a series of liberal causes and green energy movements. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. When it gets to the Senate, it will die. Not only is Joe Manchin not voting for this, he doesn't want the provision for immigration in it. And if the parliamentarian says it should be out of it, and it should be because to be in a reconciliation package, it has to be budget-related. Immigration is not budget-related. So for that to happen, uh, the parliamentarian is going to rule it out. 
and then the Senate and House plan on voting uh, down the parliamentarian's decision. Know what Joe Manchin said? Yeah, I'm not doing that. So they might pass the House, put pressure on the Senate, but I don't know if you notice, but it seems like Cinnamon and Manchin, and maybe even Warner, don't want to give in. And I don't blame them. Because it's their record, and they know this is wrong, and when you know that you're right, and you know you also can help your party by doing the right thing, you're not going to feel susceptible to the pressure of the White House, which, by the way, doesn't even know how to apply pressure. When we come back, Brad Blakeman, on what the GOP should do, and in light of the fact that the Democrats are not changing strategies and spending programs. So glad you're here. Thanks to everyone who came out of Publicans of Manhasset last night. I'll talk more about that later. See pictures on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. One of the reasons why I got into this race is because I think there's a there's a moment where we need to speak the truth. And and at this time, I think so many people are trying to divide us and uh, tell one group that they should be different than another. And it's time for us to come together. And I, as I traveled around this great Commonwealth of Virginia that I feel so blessed to represent going forward, what I heard from, from folks from all walks of life, no matter, where they, no matter where they are in life, is that they were tired of the divisiveness and it was time yes. for us to come together. So that is uh, Glenn Youngkin on with Tucker last night, talking about his victory and, re- and reflecting why he got in the race to begin with. He was a great candidate. Really honest, really pure, very natural. But Brad Blakeman has seen it all. Veteran GOP strategist, worked for two Bush administrations, and joins us now. Uh, Brad, welcome back. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here. So I've talked to you uh, good times and bad times in between the Iraq War uh, and the president's first election and last election. You talk about the unfathomable victory uh, by Donald Trump. Uh, We talked through that. And then, of course, 75 million votes couldn't get him a victory over Joe Biden. But one year later... What's the difference between 2020 and 2021 for Republicans after Tuesday? Well, Republicans learned the lesson. Uh, They stayed focused. They understood what voters uh, were concerned with. Um, They felt their pain. And and more importantly, they had the answers. Uh, They weren't going to put up with with, uh, Democratic radicalization of America, socialization. They understood that, uh, you know, women— and that is that is the lesson of this election cycle. Women, uh, mothers, rose up against uh, Democrats telling them what to do with their children, education, keeping their communities safe, rising prices at the gas pump and commodities in the in the store, eggs, bread, butter. These these, these are the issues that woke up uh, America, and it wasn't regional. It wasn't just Virginia. We saw it in New Jersey. We saw it in New York. We saw it in Ohio. We saw it in Pennsylvania. Um, this this was not something that was uh, uh, not um, a, a national uh, issue. And, you know, uh, Kamala Harris said it best. And this is a quote. What happens in Virginia will in large part determine what happens in 2022, 2024, and on, end quote. So she even understood how important uh, Tuesday was. 
and and now Republicans have to build on that with great candidates, and now we have a message to take America back. So I was just wondering the the reaction from President Biden and the administration. The president just came off a trip to Europe where he pledged to do uh, unconscionable things to our economy and our energy, uh, while China and Russia do nothing. Yet they're competing with us. But after he sees this, as he gets home, after he predicts that New Jersey and uh, New Jersey will be a walk and Virginia will be more McAuliffe and, fight, and sends out flat out wrong, here's his reaction when he comes back home uh, about what his party's been dealt. Law, law and order is the new theme, and this whole oppressive anti-American curriculum got to go. But this is what Joe says, cut 17. What's your message, though, for Democratic voters, especially black voters, who see Republicans running on race, education, lying about critical race theory, and they're worried that Democrats don't have an effective way to push back on that? Well, I think that uh, the whole answer is just to speak the truth, lay out where we are. We have to speak to them, though. We have to speak to them and explain them. Look, I just think people are at a point, and it's understandable, where there's a whole lot of confusion. Really? Is that the problem? We're really confused? Yeah. I, look, I think the president's confused. Uh, look, this guy is a president name only. Let's face it, the White House is being run by a committee, and it's a circular firing squad. They don't get it. Uh, Joe Biden has horrible problems in leadership within his own caucus. He went to the, he went to the climate change summit uh, empty-handed, thank God for America. Uh, the two biggest polluters never showed up, China and Russia. And and he had nothing to give them, thank God, because Democrats cannot get their own act together. And you heard it in the president's voice. He has no passion. He has no understanding. And Republicans get it. And finally, the American people are getting it. And it started on Tuesday, and it's going to uh, it's going to only build to 2022 and 2024. And look at the candidates, Brian, that that Republicans are fielding. Glenn Youngkin, uh, we couldn't have had a better candidate, an outsider, a successful businessman who understands how to fix things. Uh, Winsome Sears, the first black female lieutenant governor uh, yeah. of, of New- Virginia. How about the first Cuban American? in Virginia to be the Latino attorney general. You haven't heard boo from any of the leaders in the black or Latino community who are are heralding this as a milestone. Uh, They don't get it, but Republicans do. And and we're going to take this uh, to the next election. We're going to take back the Senate. We're going to take back the House. And we're going to take back the White House. Yeah, uh, but it doesn't look like they're going to stop with their spending programs. Here's what Joe said yesterday. Cut two. Do you think that Terry McAuliffe would have won if your agenda had passed before Election Day? Well, uh, I think we should have should have passed before Election Day. But I'm not sure that I would be able to have changed the number of very conservative folks who turned out in the red districts who were Trump voters. But maybe, maybe. <laughs> well... <laughs> But what do you? Th- I mean, what I see is most people do not know what's in this bill, including Joe Manchin, including Kristen Cinema. They're all over the place with this bill. Yet they had a bipartisan victory. Do you think Trump would have ever passed up on a one point two trillion dollar infrastructure bill that had nineteen votes from the other party? Of course not. 
he, he would he would have taken that deal. And and the point is, Democrats, it's never enough for Democrats. And Joe Manchin said it. Why don't we pass what we can get done bipartisan and then move on to the other bill and, and try and uh, negotiate that? But Democrats want everything. They want it all. And you can't get it all. And by the way, as you point out, uh, the second package that Democrats are talking about, almost $2 billion, is going to be another 8,000-page bill that nobody reads. And, Brian, if you did read it, you couldn't understand it because incorporated by reference is probably another 30,000 pages that you'd have to read and understand. So the American people are fed up with spending money we don't have on things we don't need. What I'm amazed at more than anything else is that Joe Biden, the word is inside the White House, don't bring up Afghanistan. Nobody in the administration talks about uh, talks about the border. They don't even go public with the supply chain. They got to be probed. So I think the American people don't mind as much bad ideas or hustle mistakes, but they need to know people are engaged. I have no sense that he's engaged or that he they have an understanding of what what would help. The average American person, that's uh, get a hold of inflation, get a hold of gas prices. Uh, inflation is robbing everybody of things as fundamental as groceries. And now you have things not coming off ships. So every part of automatic American life that we've gotten used to is affected. And it looks like the president could care less. So he is leaning on the squad. One of those members is Pramila Jayapal. She was on with all people Anderson Cooper, who seems astounded that she is oblivious to the election results and her policies. Cut 22. You saw what happened last night. Do you take any blame in this? Look, I think that um, the whole issue that we see from voters last night is people do need help from us. And that's what we've been working to do with the president's Build Back Better agenda. You're saying people last night were saying that they need help. It doesn't seem like they're asking you progressive Democrats for help. It seems like they're asking now Republicans for help. Republicans did well last night. They did. And I think part of that is, you know, look, we have to pay attention to local politics. And um, I think that Democrats are the party of parents, not Republicans. The timing of this was obviously awkward. This doesn't mean anything for the midterms. That's not to say we shouldn't take it seriously. We absolutely should. You don't think think this, this means anything for the midterms? Well, I just think we have to take it seriously, but it shouldn't be projected to be a loss for the midterms. That's your talented next-generation politician. That's just, you know, Brian, that's just plain stupid. Um, you know, it, it's not about local politics. Uh, it, it's about a national trend. America is rejecting uh, their policies. America is rejecting the fact that they won't even acknowledge what the problems are. If they, if they don't say it, it's not happening. If, if the media doesn't report it, it's not happening. Brian, we see it in the border. We see it at the gas pump. We see it at the food store. We see it in the schoolroom. Democrats are trying to take over America and put us in a direction of cradle-to-grave dependence on government. And, and, we, and do, as, do as we're told. No, America doesn't want that. Moms don't want that and dads don't want that for their kids. Critical race theory and revision of history. Uh, the country is going in the absolute wrong direction. And if they think that this is just regional or local or an anomaly, then they got another thing coming, and it's coming in 2022. So what is the sense amongst Republicans, besides feeling pretty good after feeling pretty bad after the next election, how do they make the most of this without 
without sounding redundant and people getting tired of the screaming at uh, boardrooms? How do you move that story forward? Well, Republicans right now, we need to regroup. Uh, There's no um, uh, celebration. We've got to start fielding great candidates for 2022. We've got to start doing the legwork and the groundwork, as the RNC is doing, in building the infrastructure to, to – it's not about election cycles as much as doing work between election cycles. Now the tough work needs to be done in fielding candidates and making sure we don't have as many primaries as possible and getting candidates that can win the general election, registering people, uh, making sure the, the infrastructure is there in, in finance to make sure that the candidates that we yeah. have are well-financed and hone the issues. Yeah, let's see. Uh, let's see if they could do it. Congratulations to your brother, right? Bruce Blakeman wins big. Yeah, he won big in Nassau County, beat the incumbent, Laura Curran. And uh, there's lots to do in Nassau County. As you know, Brian, you're from Long Island. Uh, we're one of the highest tax uh, areas in the country. Um, and, 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 you know, law and order is a huge issue. Education, just the same as every part of the country. And my brother's got, you know, a lot of work in a short period of time to do to, to reverse the trend in Nassau County and, and put it back on the right track, and he's going to do it. Yeah, I, I just know, keep your police chief. He's very strong, uh, Pat Ryder. So, yeah, yeah so he, he does understand that and appreciates that. Uh, so, uh, Brad Blakeman, it's a, a big weekend, a big week for the Blakeman family. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, Brad. Take you, care. You got it. one 408 7669 We're going to come back. Uh, and find out, by the way, uh, yeah, find out uh, what's on your mind and what you think the lessons of this last election were. I was at a big event last night at Publicans of Manhattan on Long Island doing my first book event, and there was a huge buzz. There was a lot of people very happy about the results locally, especially when it comes to this bail reform. When you get out, when you have a gun or caught with a gun or shoplifting and you're out the same day, when attempted murder, you're out the same day, when you're entering prisons— You need a new district attorney. You need a new attorney general, and that's exactly what they got. So we'll talk about that. Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base. It's Brian Kilmeade. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Terry McAuliffe wants to make this about a man who's not on the ballot in Virginia. Terry McAuliffe's campaign in Virginia is all about Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Trump. Donald Trump. 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 Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Trump. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. 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 Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Trump. Donald Trump. 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 Donald Trump. Trump. Donald Trump, 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 Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Trump, Trump. Do you know, Dan, this isn't about Trump. Amazing, right? That's what they did. They just said, we're just going to keep up bringing up Donald Trump. And and when we don't do Donald Trump and we talk about the election, we'll talk about January 6th, okay? And then we're going to talk about Donald Trump's notes are being subpoenaed. He wants to use executive privilege. You want to talk about that? Great. And then when it comes to Virginia governor, New Jersey governor's race, when we talk about the smallest and biggest races, let's make sure we bring up Donald Trump. And guess what? The people are done with it. They're finished. They're through. Because they want to see some action. They want to see something getting done, number one, but something effective being done. But it's not the status quo. There are sometimes you get an administration or time in American history where they don't have to do much. 
Now you have to do a lot because you're not doing anything. You're not doing anything about the border. You're not doing anything about us internationally. You're not stopping the China threat. You're certainly not stopping the North Korean and Iranian nuclear program. In fact, you're trying to get back into the Paris deal. You did. And you're trying to get back into the Iranian deal. You got talks scheduled for November. We're a country that was really happy with the Abraham Accords. We're a country that was really happy that we were building the wall because it began and got a hold of the border to the point where it wasn't a news story. That's the story. This was a rejection of what people have seen over the last year. And they're not seeing it. Joe Manchin is. Here it is. Cut 16. Last night's election. The Congressional Progressive Caucus in the House now stands at 95 members. Looking at last night and the results of it. What's the over-under for 2022? Well, are there the, more or the progressives, fewer? The progressives, and I spoke to some of them, and they're nice people, good people. They're aspirational. I don't believe philosophically with them at all, but they don't have any chance of getting defeated where they come from. The thing they're doing is basically cha- changing the dynamics of the moderates that it takes for them to be in a majority, taking it down way low. So interesting. And I totally agree. When Senator Warner says a couple of days ago, you know, we should have just passed a 1.2 bipartisan bill, I thought to myself, could Joe Manchin have used that help? Yeah. Senator Sinema could have used that help? Yeah. You know who else probably thinks that way? Dick Durbin probably thinks that way. So-called moderates like John Tester probably thinks that way. But they don't have any guts. They don't stand up. Why are you afraid of a congresswoman from Queens or one from Michigan or one from Massachusetts in safe seats? Just stand up and do what's right for a change. Or your whole party's going to go up in flames. I mean, literally, Joe Manchin is saving the Democratic Party while saving our country at the same time. So I find that all pretty astounding. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind, too, we're following a, a couple of stories, and that is what happened in Texas. They flipped a notoriously blue seat in a very Hispanic area with John Lujan. He is uh, the now Texas it's District 118, the San Antonio area. Listen to what he said uh, to me on Tuesday, Cut 29. A lot of fam- uh, people here in my district have family from the border. And just hearing the, the horror stories and the things that are going on over there, it's very fearful. It's, uh, it's really attacking not only just it's, 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 it's crazy, but also because the finances involved, the hospitals, the sheriff's bar, everybody's taxed by this. And it, it's really crazy. And, and you would think people kind of think, oh, the, the Hispanic community, they're all Democrat. They're very frustrated about this. And this is a time when they are starting to switch that vote over to red. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Uh, but I think, too, one thing I asked him is the conventional wisdom has always been when you crack down on the border, the Hispanic community would be upset. They're not. And Donald Trump proved it when he said, I'm going to build a wall. And they said, well, my goodness, we did the autopsy after Romney lost it and said, let's start easing up on the wall talk, please, and the deportation, because we want to win over the fastest growing minority in the country. And you know what? The American Hispanic community was more than happy to get control of our border and maybe make it easier to apply at the consulates. And that's why John Lujan has won in Texas and flipped that House district notoriously Democrat. Listen, uh, go to BrianKilme.com, pick up the president and the freedom fighter, Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and their battle to save America's soul. It's rocketing up the charts thanks to you guys. I think it's an important, uh, important story for those who want to know understand race in America. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. 
From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, 1-866-408-7669. We come to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Uh, this hour, we're going to do a simulcast on America's Newsroom, one of the hottest shows in America. That's Dana Perino and the great Bill Hemmer. Hemmer uh, and Dana Perino. Not Dana, but uh, Hemmer in particular was uh, well, just fantastic working the boards and finding out who's going to win all these elections in an off year that means so much. And then... Uh, we're going to talk to Bruce Blakeman in about 15 minutes. He is the new Nassau County Executive Elect, and it is a prestigious position, right uh, Long Island, right outside New York. Nassau County, one of the richest uh, in the country and one of the safest, but one of the highest taxed. What could Bruce Blakeman do? After all, it's a Blakeman show. At a different hour, we had Brad Blakeman on, who worked for Bush 41 as well as Bush 43. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Your administration is planning to pay illegal immigrants who are separated from their families at the border up to $450,000 each, possibly a million dollars per family. Do you think that that might incentivize more people to come over illegally? If you guys keep sending that garbage out, yeah. So this is a garbage report? Yeah. Really? President is either lying or just left out of the loop in his own loop. The report of him paying $450,000 to separated illegal immigrants during the Trump administration is essentially confirmed by the lack of denial for the Wall Street Journal story and what the ACLU said is being negotiated. That story and the broken border story coming your way. Number two. I can assure you. Black voters in Virginia are not shocked by the so-called Yunkin shocker. This isn't about enthusiasm. This is about the fact that a good chunk of voters out there are okay with white supremacy. Exactly. Let's bring up race for everything. And I'm sure it's going to work. Tiffany Cross of another network. How are Dems interpreting their 50-state rebuke? It seems like they're doubling down. I'll explain. Number one. I think that the vote showed last night that many people, uh, the partisanship was not the issue. Many people really want to have efficient public safety and are pro-police in that regard. They do want officers to be able to respond to calls for service. Yeah, in Minneapolis, they're looking to fund the police. That didn't work in Seattle. They were looking to put a Republican in there, so that worked. In New York, uh, they changed mayors, thank goodness, but they took a billion dollars out of the police budget. Uh, We'll talk about that because uh, reimagining police is not working out. The red wave rocks the Democrats. Where are the gains? Law and order supported. What does it mean for the wildly irresponsible to fund the police movement? And that's where we'll begin. Uh, For the most part, you saw the American public look over the last year in horror as homicides, carjackings, looting, burglary just went through the roof. The no bail law, the no bail law, which really started in New York. Uh, because they felt as though rich people can get out of prison and poor can't. So what they did is overreact and let people out in the same day unless you did something egregious or you killed somebody. And the person behind that, Todd Kaminsky, lost to Ann Donnelly. He is now out of a position, so he can't do any more damage. The question is, can you undo this? So that was a huge wave on Long Island in New York, huge wave in Virginia and in New Jersey. 
So we're seeing all that take place right now. One of the unsung stories is Winsome Sears. She's a Marine veteran. Her parents were from Jamaica. She's black. And now she's the Virginia lieutenant governor. And she can't believe that Democrats are accusing Republicans of playing the race card when they're the ones who keep bringing up race. Cut seven. What I want to say to black people, Asian people, whatever, minorities, Latinos, whatever, don't allow political parties to divide us. Don't allow political parties to use whatever grievances that have been historically against you to force you to look at them as the savior so that they can swoop in and think they're saving you when all they're doing is pitting one race against the other, one race against the other. You want an example? Listen to NBC. So you have Jamel, uh, uh, Jamel, Jamel Hill tweeting things out that uh, are just all about race. I'm not even surprised at that. Number one, I've, I forgot she was even out there because she doesn't have uh, ESPN anymore. She tweets out, it's not the messaging, folks. The country simply loves white supremacy. I mean, my question, if you feel that way, why are you here? Tiffany Cross, something similar. Somebody, uh, I'm not sure why she has to be on a panel, but she is. Cut 21. I can assure you, black voters in Virginia are not shocked by the so-called Yunkin shocker. This isn't about enthusiasm. This isn't about Democrats not doing enough to exercise their base. And this definitely is not about messaging or even about beloved. This is about the fact that a good chunk of voters out there are okay with white supremacy. Let's call a thing a thing. Actually, scratch that. They are more than okay. I mean, what do you say to that? I mean, what are you talking about? When you talk about kids in school, you talk about the economy, inflation, and gas prices. We're, just please me, tell me what color of skin matters. And I think that blows you away. You lose all credibility when you find part out, and I was just corrected, Winsome Sears was born in Jamaica. So when she hears this and sees these accusations and they're ignoring the color of her skin, she says this. Cut nine. When you look at a birth certificate for a black child, does it say you must vote Democrat every time, all the time? Otherwise, you're not black. And for the white child, does it say you can vote any way that you want, any choice that you want? They really don't have the solutions. And so when you look at the the Democrat-run cities, the Democrat-run counties, states, they're losing. The the, the neighborhoods are the worst. The schools are the worst. Everything, it's the worst. Okay. I I am somewhat astounded. I shouldn't be. That we're not talking about the liberal agenda. We're not talking about the expansion of the social safety net. We're not talking about the uh, discombobulated exit from Afghanistan where there's still Americans left behind while we speak. Right now, there are Americans left behind. We're not talking about the border and its ridiculous policies on immigration. We're not talking about any of that. We're talking about, well, if you voted for a, uh, a Republican, you have to be a white supremacist. And I just don't think people are going to respond to this. I don't. And I think that's part of the my hair's on fire attitude. And now people don't even try to put out your hair that's on fire. I think James Carville makes a lot of sense here. Not a fan. Cut 20. Moving wrong is just stupid wokeness. All right. You just, don't just look at Virginia and New Jersey. Look at Long Island. Look at Buffalo. Look at Minneapolis. Even look at Seattle, Washington. I mean, just defund the police lunacy to take Abraham Lincoln's name off of schools. I mean, that 
people see that, and it it it, it it's, it's just really a, have a suppressive effect all across the country. The Democrats, some of these people need to go to a woke detox center or something. I mean that they're, they're expressing a language that people just don't use, and there's a backlash and a frustration at that. No kidding, uh, and he is 100 percent right. So just a quick note, I want to thank everyone that came out of Manhasset last night and uh, publicans in um, Manhasset. People came from all around Long Island. Somebody even came from uh, from um, New Hampshire. So we just had a great night. My family kicked in. Uh, Allison did a great job. Uh, then had to go back to New Jersey at whew, 10 o'clock at night. So uh, And with a quick turnaround, it was the first book signing. Had a huge turnout. I have some pictures. I'm posting them online gradually throughout the day. Tonight, I'm going to be in Staten Island signing the President and Freedom Fighter at the Barnes & Noble in the Staten Island Mall. I want you to meet me there. I'll be there between 6 and 8. I have an interview at Madison Square Garden prior, and then I'm going to race there as quick as I can. And then we know what's happening the next day. I'll be in Atlanta. Uh, go to BrianKilme.com, find out what books a million I'll be at. Saturday in Kentucky, Sunday, very excited. Some tickets still remain in West Virginia on stage. That's when I have a chance to talk about all my history books and talk about the President Freedom Fighter at the end, and I'll highlight that. But really, America, what we've been through, and some of the great people behind the scenes that don't get the credit they deserve. And then I'll be able to interact with you and talk with you, and there's VIP opportunities. Then following up there in Orlando, there's still some tickets there. Sadly, Ponte Vedra sold out. Clearwater is just a handful of seats left. But I want to see you go to BrianKilme.com and order those tickets because I think Frederick Douglass, Abraham Lincoln, how they interacted, how they grew up is a message that will help you with today's narrative that America is inherently racist, which it's not. We come back a very happy guy, Bruce Blakeman, the county executive elect for Nassau County, New York. Brian Kilmeade Show. Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I will say this. We had great wins. We have Eric Adams in, in New York. Um, in, in Ohio, we had with Miss Brown, Chantel Brown, a great win and a great, I think, what will be a great addition to the United States Congress. Uh, that is Kamala Harris with the worst spin you could imagine after a brutal night for Democrats in an off-year election that should have been without headlines. Instead, you have uh, states that are traditionally blue losing House legislative seats, and you have areas which are more Democrat than Republican going uh, victim of a red wave, like, for example, Nassau County, New York, just outside of New York City, if you're listening around the country. Bruce Blakeman ran that campaign for the Nassau County executive uh, seat, and he won it against Laura Curran, who was uh, popular, and that just shows what a strong campaign Bruce Blakeman ran. We talked to Brad, uh, uh, Bruce's brother, earlier today. Why not talk to Bruce? Uh, Bruce, congratulations on the victory. Thank you so much, Brian. I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm glad that you're a resident. Massapequa. So um, you'll, you'll I have the Massapequas. Yeah, of course. And of course, I know you guys originally from uh, Valley Stream, right? Your family goes back generations. Yes. So yes, yes. What happened, Bruce? Why was this the year in which so many Republicans like yourself did well? Well, we had two issues here in Nassau County. 
taxes and crime. Uh, the taxes are out of control. The county executive reassessed the county. She did a miserable job. And crime is out of control in Nassau County. Shootings are up 39%. Shoplifting's out of control. Car break-ins are out of control. Bank robberies are out of control. And it's all because of the liberal, progressive, socialist agenda of the Democratic Party. And people said, we've had enough. We're fed up. For instance, I was in Levittown. Um, a little old lady came up to me, white hair, about four foot three, Irish Catholic woman. She walked up to me. She said, Bruce, I've been a Democrat all my life. And I figured, okay, here we go. She said, but I'm voting for you this year. And I said, well, thank you very much. She said, do you want to know why? I said, yes. She said, well, my first vote was for John F. Kennedy for president. And that guy couldn't get elected dog catcher in the Democratic Party because they've gone too far to the left. So I think that's the story of the election. So I think that, in a way, is true. I also saw that Nassau County was voted the safest community of two years in a row in the country. That, that, that was nonsense. That was U.S. News and World Report. And they did that data on last year's figures during the pandemic when we were in lockdown. Um, and by the way, it's, it's not a real magazine. And uh, when I would go to functions and there'd be three or 400 people there. I'd ask people to raise their hand if they read U.S. News and World Report and nobody raised their hand. Um, so it was, a, it was a total bogus thing. And the people who live in the communities in Nassau County know that we're less safe because of the liberal policies in the state of New York that is being dictated by the ultra left wing of the Democratic Party. Yeah, I just know this. Some of the finest people I've met uh, are the police officers in Nassau County. I love your police chief, too. So uh, it's an interesting time to be a police officer. But it seems as though New York City is leaving and they want to come out now to Nassau and Suffolk, especially with this vaccine mandate. So I don't know how you view your force. Well, first of all, we've got a great police force. Uh, we need more police officers, so I'm going to hire more. And um, basically, you know, another issue was uh, a bill was passed by the Republican majority in the legislature to give police officers the same rights that ordinary citizens have if they're attacked. And my opponent vetoed that. And that was a chance to stand up for the cops. And she didn't. So that, that was a very important issue. Um, but, you know, I feel confident that we're going to restore respect for law and order. We do have a great police department, and uh, I'm looking forward to working with them and our new district attorney, who's a Republican now, Annie Donnelly. And uh, we're going to make sure that Nassau County is truly the safest county in the United States and, uh, and not based on some magazine that's, that's out of business. So talk about Ann Donnelly and why this whole country where a national show should care. And I said, just think about your no, no bail law. No matter almost where any crime that you commit, you're out the same day. How did that start, start with Todd Kaminsky and why, how did that spread across the country? Well, here's the problem. Todd Kaminsky, a state senator, co-authored what they call the Get Out of Bail Reform Act, which is really the Get Out of Jail Free Act. Um, and by doing that, he has materially been responsible for a crime wave across the whole state of New York, including Nassau County. 3,000 prisoners were let out the day after that bill became law, and then they committed 9,000 new crimes in the last year. So it, it was 
just something that was disastrous. And the Republican Party, under the leadership of uh, Chairman Joe Cairo, found a seasoned prosecutor, 30 years a prosecutor, in Annie Donnelly, someone who was tough on law enforcement, someone who, like me, is going to go up to Albany and lobby the state to repeal the Bail Reform Act. And she won in a resounding victory because people do not feel more safe. They feel less safe. And the liberal progressive socialist policies of the Democratic Party have been a complete failure for the hardworking middle class families of Nassau County. Yeah, there was a time when only Peter King was basically the only Republican here. And now you're going on what many people think is a red wave. But instead of Democrats just saying, hey, we lost this one, we got to recalibrate and not have a disastrous midterm. Listen to what the theme seems to be. This is a commentator, Tiffany Cross, Cut 21. I can assure you, black voters in Virginia are not shocked by the so-called Yunkin shocker. This isn't about enthusiasm. This isn't about Democrats not doing enough to exercise their base. And this definitely is not about messaging or even about beloved. This is about the fact that a good chunk of voters out there are okay with white supremacy. Let's call a thing a thing. Actually, scratch that. They are more than okay. I mean, do you think race had anything to do with the success Republicans had across the country? You know, Brian, I don't know what planet that person is from, but let me tell you, I had a conversation about six weeks ago with a black pastor from a from a African-American community here in Nassau County. And he came up to me and he said, Bruce, I got to tell you, crime is out of control. The Democrats don't get it. The criminals are running our communities. They've gone too far. This is from a black pastor. So I think African-American voters, I think Latino voters, I think uh, Asian voters are in the same uh, condition and the same situation as white voters. They've had enough of these policies. And I believe that they were very instrumental in my uh, election. And I believe they were responsible in a large part for the red wave across the United States. A lot of those crimes happen in those in, in working class communities, in minority communities, and they need to be protected. And I don't think people fully understand that. Bruce, congratulations on the win. Nobody predicted it. You believed it and you pulled it off. Congratulations. Bruce Blake from the Nassau County Executive Elect. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks. Thanks, Brian. And I'm looking forward to your next book. Absolutely. The President Freedom Fighter is now out as of two days ago. When we come back, I'll take your calls, 1-866-408-7669. Then a simulcast with America's Newsroom. Don't move. Brian Kilmeade Show. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. You know, let's say on the legislation we're about to, to start negotiating on, which is a reconciliation bill, there's no excuse why the infrastructure bill hasn't passed long ago, two weeks, three weeks ago. It would have been great for our country. It's still great for our country. And I'm hoping we can get bipartisan support. It's a bipartisan bill. But the reconciliation bill, I think what it says is kind of slow down, take a breath. Let's look at this. We're talking about major tax overhaul reform. 
We're talking about changing our energy policies. We're talking about a whole social rearrangement. We're talking about $29 trillion of debt. We better get our hand, hands around it and, and be responsible. And I've always said, if you can't get your financial house in order, it's hard to do anything. And that's what Joe Manchin said to Brett Baer last night on Fox News, because he is not uh, backing off his demand that you get uh, the reconciliation bill's got to be well detailed and scored before he even considers thinking about it. But you remember, his original statement stands, too. In July, he said, uh, why don't we just pass the bipartisan bill? I think we got to stop spending. I think we're, I don't know, $28 trillion in debt. And I'm pretty sure that my people don't love the fact that you're trying to take down the energy sector while begging OPEC to pump more oil while buying more oil from Russia on the global market. It makes no sense. Do you see what happened with Russia? Last week, they started reversing the direction of the natural gas pipeline. And it turns out that natural gas is a shortage in Western Europe. What have we been saying? Everybody knows it. When Before Germany cut this deal with Russia to build the, the pipeline, people say, it's, don't ask us to use our army and put our people in harm's way to watch your back against a Soviet, now Russian invasion, if you're going to be susceptible to energy. You're going to be buying them, buying their natural gas to heat your homes in the winter. That means the Russians can turn it off. We have natural gas. We have LNG capabilities. We might be a little bit more expensive to start, but not long term. Let's do it. If I know I have a consistent customer, we'll put a pipeline on the ocean floor and we'll get it here. But no, they went and did the easy deal. And this president mysteriously signed off on it and let him finish it while stopping our uh, while stopping our gas line. It makes no sense. So Joe Manchin stood up for it. Here's more from what he said last night about what's going to happen with the amount of liberals and progressives from the AOCs, the squads on down, that are forcing this liberal agenda. Cut 16. Last night's election. Okay. The Congressional Progressive Caucus in the House now stands at 95 members. Looking at last night and the results of it, What's the over-under for 2022? Well, Are there the, more or the progressives, fewer? The progressives, and I spoke to some of them, and they're nice people, good people. They're aspirational. I don't believe philosophically with them at all, but they don't have any chance of getting defeated where they come from. The thing they're doing is basically cha- changing the dynamics of the moderates that it takes for them to be in a majority, taking it down way low. And that's just it. So moderates sit there and say, I don't get anything done. I get vilified by my party. I stat a big committees if I continue to be a so-called moderate, uh, like Josh Gottheimer in Staten Island, where I'm going to be later today. He's going to say, wow, can I keep this seat and, and, uh, and, and be a Democrat? Because people are going to associate me with AOC. That's going to be the issue. And that's what people should take away from this. People are tired of the woke politics, the cancel politics, the racism claims. They're tired of people ignoring the fact that gas is so expensive, inflation is rising, and that our, most of our products are stuck off the shore. And when you get told by the Washington Post editorial columnist that, well, America has it too easy, too good, lower your expectations, when we're told stop ordering stuff, this is a rich people problem, that is not the case. Rich people ordering from Amazon expecting a package to be delivered? Are you crazy? That's not the case. People use Amazon. Uh, you you're act like they shop at Tiffany's with a, with a credit card with no ceiling on it. This is, this is everyday people who are ordering things and are willing to pay for them and don't want to feel bad for doing it. So this is some of the things I think is important. The other thing is those lockdowns. When you have a governor or a mayor lock you down, destroy your life, bring your business to its knees, 
uh, end up using law enforcement to crack down on the laws that you implemented, you are going to alienate people. And that's what I think also happened, too. During the pandemic, a lot of people looked at the Democrat governors in their state and mayors in their state and said, yeah, I'm done with this. I never knew you had that much power, but I'm done with this. And also with the holidays coming, I think it's true. By the way, we're going to be going with America's Newsroom. Uh, we're going to be on there shortly, uh, and that's going to be with Dana Perino as well as Bill Hemmer. They did a great job breaking down all the uh, the different uh, scenarios that took place last night, and he's like everybody else, stunned about what happened in New Jersey. Even though it looks like, it looks like Cetarelli will lose right now, it looks like he will lose. The fact that he was winning most of the night and has to leave lo- uh, lose in a nail-biter is a, is a huge win for Republicans. Now, people say, well, it's hard to be back-to-back winners for in New Jersey. Uh, if you're a Democrat, come on. We all know that's not true. In history, particularly, that might have yielded that. But also, if you look back at history, throw it out when it comes to what's happening now in this country. Because once you've gone red, you are thoroughly in the pocket of Democrats. Therefore, you're going to lose a lot of your power. The other great news is Ed Durr. He's a truck driver. From Raynor and Flanagan, spent $150 and may just have, it's not official yet, one of the most powerful people in local state politics, uh, New Jersey Senate, uh, Senate president. So he could not be the next president of the Senate. But my goodness, if you take him out, uh, that is saying something. Here's Ed Durr while they count the final votes on how he probably won. Cut 25. I didn't beat him. We beat him. The state of New Jersey, the people of New Jersey beat them. They listened to what I had to say, and I listened to what they had to say. And it's a repudiation of Governor Murphy. Governor Murphy went and locked us down and ignored the people's voice, and Senate Sweeney chose to do nothing for those 18 months. And the people were angry. Uh, You cannot tell people they can't have a job. You can't tell people they can't go to church. And that's what was done. And there was no, nothing done by the legislature. So this was the people's voice being made, heard, clearing through all through New Jersey, because I'm not the only victory in New Jersey. There is upsets all up and down the state because the people spoke. I believe it's 10, uh, 10 seats overall. Uh, in the state, uh, in New Jersey. And I, I just think, too, just to show you how separate the signals are for the people as opposed to the politicians, do you know that they say Murphy, I'm watching the coverage on the other networks, and they say Murphy gets high marks when it comes to the pandemic, so he's going to just coast to victory here. He's got single-digit lead, but he's extremely popular. And you heard Governor Christie say on our show, you heard a Governor Christie say that he was going to use this big victory to run for president, and why not? It looks like Joe Biden, the American people are getting a look at him and Democrats are getting scared by him and are saying, we need somebody else. I think that only 36 percent wanted him to run again. About over 40 percent said we need another candidate. Why not? Murphy, if Murphy was effective as a CEO of Goldman Sachs, I think that was his last job. And if he had another victory in New Jersey, but you knew something was happening for against Murphy because his internal polls must have uh, must have shown that Jack Cetarelli was gaining because all of a sudden Bernie Sanders shows up. Why would Bernie Sanders help? Then a Bur- uh, Barack Obama shows up. Well, that was kind of interesting. Barack Obama, Jill Biden end up coming. That to me showed that somebody I'm missing something. What what are you seeing? When I saw everybody show up two weeks ago for McAuliffe, I knew that the seven point lead that I was seeing was not the reality that they were seeing. 
and Fox had uh, had Youngkin winning by eight points. For the most part, he ended up winning by th- probably in the when it's all said and done three points. Here's what Victor Davis Hanson said last night. I think it's important uh, with uh, Laura Ingram. Cut twenty seven. The more that Terry McAuliffe said Trump, 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 and they were obsessed with him, the more he looked pretty good and the more it helped Youngkin. He ran on a Trump agenda. They're obsessed with him, but the only thing that's left of Donald Trump was his wonderful record. And so uh, Joe Biden did exactly the opposite of what Trump did, and it showed us that Trump had done wonderful things. So I guess the message of the election was you've got to have that Trump populist message. You've got to be angry and not take things from the left. Yeah, and I think the one gift that Donald Trump got was to being taken down off social media. Do you know his popularity is greater than ever? I mean, really, it is, his popularity within the Republican Party, it's through the roof. It's 9 out of 10 Republicans want him to run for president next or 8.5. And the thing is, without the tweets that are provocative and newsworthy, but oftentimes self-destructive and, counter, and counterproductive, I believe that Donald Trump actually got helped by being taken down off social media, I think less is more in his case. And I think when it comes to these purple states, it's not an insult. There are some states that the sitting president helps and some don't. So let's listen in and do a simulcast on America's Newsroom. With Americans on key issues. An op-ed from the New York Post, Miranda Devine, calling Tuesday's election, quote, a wake-up call for the woke. Fox & Friends co-host Brian Kilmeade joins us. Great to see you, Brian. You, I wish that you could be here, but you're in your studio because you always do two jobs at once, which is an incredible... All- Feet. By the way, always talking. Yeah, every time we look up, you are always talking. Uh, let's get your let's get your reaction to that. The whole election. What well, how think? about how about the fact that what Miranda Devine writes, who tends to write from the right, is what Bill Maher has been saying on his liberal talk show for about a year. Good point. His monologues are phenomenal, and they're basically a warning sign to Democrats. Nobody likes what you're doing. We're shooting ourselves. You take it out, Dave Chappelle. You took out Al Franken even though personal behavior was the issue, but the woke standard is what catches him in the, uh, which catches him in the uh, turbo speed in the windmill, uh, on the windmill blades. And now you have a situation where James Carville is yelling at everybody, stop with the, you're a racist, you're a sexist. If you have questions about gender, that means you don't like transgender people. Uh, if you're not, you can never be woke enough. And the standard that is being set is not by Republicans. It's easy to get mad at someone who is battling you. But when your own side is condemning you and when you can't live up to your own standard, don't be surprised if you get caught in the crosshairs. And that's what they're saying. We're in, we're in an impossible standard right now. And as Carville went on to say, when you're taking down Abraham Lincoln off a of grammar school and taking down Frederick Douglass's statue out of his hometown because you're angry— it actually hurts people at their core. And they don't need to do the same thing. But they have a chance to speak up for the first time. And that's at the ballot box in an off-year election, guys. Yeah, I, I think Winsome Sears kind of pierced the argument that you're making here. I mean, roll this, right? Lieutenant Governor, Virginia, first female... We're framing many issues in terms of race and... It just continues to divide us, and, 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 and unfortunately, politicians are using it to advance, I would think, their nefarious purposes. I'm destroying all the narratives about race. Look at me. <laughs> I came from Jamaica, American citizen. Now, what she said, I'm sure, first female African-American elected to statewide office in Virginia. Go, Brian. Yeah. And at the same time, Jamel Hill is tweeting out that this is about white supremacy. 
and we're watching commentators on other networks say the only reason this Youngkin won is because white women don't want to see blacks do well. What are you talking about? And we know how farcical that statement is. But I'm not going to walk around the halls of my work or on the train and make that statement, but I register it. And when I'm in a secure setting, I say it. And then when I get that curtain closed and I have a chance to vote, I show it. And that's why Republicans on Long Island, I know we're national, but Long Island, a very prestigious county in Nassau County and Suffolk County, it really was Lee Zeldin and Peter King for about 20 years. All of a sudden, there was a red wave that ripped through. (laughs) And it's not that they changed parties. They changed from this party. To me, success leaves clues. You know what success is? Eric Adams, who ran center left. I hope he governs that way. And Joe Manchin, who makes more sense every day. I'm a Democrat, but I'm not over here. And by the way, he says he's a minority in his party. If his party wants to do well, he will be the majority of his party and the country will be better off. Hey, Brian, so I took a trip over the weekend. I was in the backseat for a little bit of a road trip, um, and my husband and my sister were in the front. And I I was reading this. This is uh, your your new book. It's called The President and the Freedom Fighter. I think it's excellent. Uh, It's a huge, it's a page-turner, learning a lot. And it comes out at a very interesting time. Uh, if you look at this relationship and what was possible all that all that time ago. I just think that if people want to talk about white makes tweets like we just talked about, and they want to talk about white supremacy and tear down statues of, of, of Washington and get Jefferson out of, out of the state house and, or the city, uh, the city council uh, center in New York City, I think you got to read and just find out what's going on. And then don't just read and say, this is my author's interpretation of Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln. We build this around quotes. I built this around speeches, and this they talked about where the, the country was, Frederick Douglass was, and where the country had to go. And he had nothing but hope. And this guy was born a slave. Yeah. When you see how we flatten things out in this country, we're not perfect, but no country is. Mm-hmm. How we plowed and, and even things out. And the way these two ended up working together, and they both evolved in their lifetime. And our country's evolving every day. Why are we seeing so much negative when there's so much positive? Yeah. And that's what I thought we could get perspective. Yeah, thank you. Listen, Brian, I remember I was doing your show, I think, four years ago. You may not remember this. You told me this story Mm -hmm. verbatim. And congratulations now, four years later, seeing it in a book. Well hey, a very good memory, uh, Bill Hammer. And then you had to change your hours and expand your show, and it hurt our relationship. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, your show, I just, my, my opinion, your show's never uh, been better or, or more interesting, and, and no one ever talks about it, but your ratings are through the roof uh, Thanks, for a Brian. reason. Brother, very kind. Okay, thank take you. Care. Nice to see you. Good luck on the right. book. Should Bye-bye. I just go back by myself now? You may. Yeah. Okay, thank <laughs> you. All right. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. I'm a little late. I'll be back in just a moment. Brian Kilmeade Show. It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. As you were leaving for your overseas trip, there were reports that were surfacing that your administration is planning to pay illegal immigrants who are separated from their families at the border up to $450,000 each, possibly a million dollars per family. Do you think that that might incentivize more people to come over illegally? If you guys keep sending that garbage out, yeah, but it's not true. So this is a garbage report? Yeah. Okay. So $450,000. $450, Per person. Is that what you're saying? 
that was separated from a family member at the border under, under the last administration. That's not going to happen. All right, the problem is it's happening. And the Wall Street Journal broke the story. Not a person in the Biden administration, even though he was overseas, said a word about it. What's crazy is if they did do it behind his back and didn't even read him in and allowed him to be embarrassed like that, I find that astounding. Or if no one knew to push back in the Wall Street Journal story, that would be stunning. So the ACLU writes this. The Biden administration may not have been fully briefed about President Biden may not have been fully briefed about the actions of his very own Justice Department after he labeled as garbage a news report that his administration is considering $450,000 per person for those separated families. The executive editor of the ACLU said this. Uh, he went on to say, but if he follows through on what he said, the president is abandoning a core campaign promise to do justice for the thousands of separated families. We respectfully remind President Biden that he called these actions criminal in a debate with then-President Trump and campaigned on remedying the, and rectifying the lawless actions of the Trump administration. We call on President Trump to get the wrongs right. So listen, this is unbelievably disconnected. The one thing we thought, we had an older president without charisma— who was going to calm things down and put surround him with professionals. All we know is everything is on its head. The president, for the second time in a major issue, is caught with his pants down. And now there's no, going to be no correct the record, or there might be a correct the record. But the fact that he couldn't answer that question is terrible. Hey, if you have to leave us now, I hope to see you in Staten Island tonight uh, at the Barnes & Noble in the Staten Island Mall on Friday in Lawrenceville, Georgia. On Saturday in Lexington, Kentucky, and Sunday, tickets to left. Four o'clock start, West Virginia, Charleston. I'll be doing the President of Freedom Fighter tour, but I'll get a chance to talk all about America, sports, and with you. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show coming to you from New York. Heard around the country, heard around the world. Hope to see most of you in the New York area tonight. I'll be in Staten Island. First time in a long time. Okay, ever. But at least Kim Kardashian was there, right? Kim Kardashian was having dinner uh, in Staten Island last night, too. It's got to be great. I can't wait to see with them, see some magic in Barnes & Noble. Signing the president and freedom fighter. At the bottom of the hour, I'm going to be joined by Harry Hurley. Uh, he's going to give us an idea of what's happening in New Jersey. It, uh, I guess the election's over. Not officially declared by the Secretary of State, but it's very close. Uh, the AP has declared Murphy gets four more years, but just barely, which is a huge story. Harry Hurley, to put it in perspective, in Atlantic City, but he actually knows all southern parts of, of New Jersey, actually the whole state. And Dan Henniger standing by with the Wall Street Journal. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Your administration is planning to pay illegal immigrants who are separated from their families at the border up to $450,000 each, possibly a million dollars per family. Do you think that that might incentivize more people to come over illegally? If you guys keep sending that garbage out, yeah. So this is a garbage report. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're going to find out if they're just keeping their president in the dark or is he right? 
He's not giving $450,000, potentially more, to uh, illegal immigrants who were separated during the Trump administration from uh, their family, who might have been coyotes. Uh, A lot were just sitting there. They were traffickers. Uh, We continue. Number two. I can assure you, black voters in Virginia are not shocked by the so-called Yunkin shocker. This isn't about enthusiasm. This is about the fact that a good chunk of voters out there are okay with white supremacy. Ugh. Is this sickening? Everything is race like a Republican victory? Howard Dems inter- uh, interpreting their 50-state rebuke. seems to be They seem to be doubling down, sadly. I'll try to explain. Number one. And I think that the vote showed last night that many people, uh, the partisanship was not the issue. Many people really want to have efficient public safety and are pro-police in that regard. They do want officers to be able to respond to calls for service. Uh, Carmen Best, former police chief in Seattle. The red wave rocks the Democrats. Where were the gains? Law and order is supported in almost every ballot in every state. What does it mean for the defund the police movement and the wildly irresponsible one, which it is? They cost Democrats dearly. Uh, Let's bring in Dan Henniger. He's deputy editor of the Wall Street Journal editorial page. Uh, His weekly column, Wonderland, is a must read. Dan, welcome back. Good to be with you, Brian. Hey, Dan, first off, how do you feel about, uh, let's hear it. Joe Biden was asked by Peter Ducey. He was asked by Peter Ducey about a story in the Wall Street Journal, which I believe you get a complimentary copy from almost every day, uh, that you guys ran that he was going to get $450,000 per separated per family for separating them from their uh, children. As you were leaving for your overseas trip, there were reports that were surfacing that your administration is planning to pay illegal immigrants who are separated from their families at the border up to $450,000 each, possibly a million dollars per family. Do you think that that might incentivize more people to come over illegally? If you guys keep sending that garbage out, yeah, but it's not true. So this is a garbage report? Yeah. Okay. So $450,000 $450, per person. Is that what you're saying? That was separated from a family member at the border under, under the last administration. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Dan, is he is he detached from his own White House? They, I didn't get I didn't see any pushback on the Wall Street Journal story that that was in fact Peter Ducey's question was based on fact. Yeah, I mean there has been no pushback at all on that story. You'd think uh, Jen Psaki would go out there and just shoot it right down. Uh, <clears throat> is the president of the United States out of the loop? Uh, pretty clearly, he is, Brian. Um, and that's a problem for the United States. Uh, it's kind of a different subject, uh, Joe Biden's attentiveness, uh, but he is out of the loop. And the reality is that this is a progressive presidency. We can call Joe Biden whatever we want, former moderate centrist, blah, blah, blah. Everybody, I can't identify a moderate Democrat inside that administration. They're all progressives, and I'm talking about the entire government. And Their policy at the border was to break the border. I mean, people say there's no policy. No, there is a policy. What's going on down there is their policy. Just let people flow across that border, then fly them around the country, land them in places like Westchester County and send them into, uh, as you know, towns all over Long Island and let the towns just deal with it. And do I doubt that somewhere in that administration they are talking about paying uh, these people $450,000? I don't doubt it in the least. Uh, It seems preposterous. It seems like the most politically insane thing you could ever come up with. 
But this is the left. When they get an idea in their head, they do it no matter what. So I'm not going to be shocked if this uh, payment proposal resurfaces somewhere inside that Biden administration, no matter what the president thinks is going on. How confident are you that it's true? Uh, I'm confident that it is a proposal that is on the board somewhere inside that government. Uh, I mean, they'd have to process it. You know, they can't just start sending out money. But I think it's real. The Wall Street Journal would not have put that in the paper. Uh, I'm sure that when it first came to them, they were startled that any such thing could be happening. But I think they undoubtedly saw there was substantive evidence that it was under serious consideration inside the government. So first off, how do you characterize what we witnessed on Tuesday, looking at those results that 10 seats lost in the New Jersey legislature to Republicans, uh, a almost in one of the most more remarkable, surprising wins on the governor's race. But it looks like Phil Murphy will have enough votes to hold on. Jack Cetarelli uh, doesn't see after leading most of the time, suddenly he's trailing. So, but the fact that it's so close says something, and Youngkin's win over the establishment candidate, McAuliffe, who had the job before, uh, by two-plus points is pretty significant. What, is, what does Dan Henniger think? What do you take away from it? Well, I, you know, Virginia, we sort of saw coming. We weren't too sure uh, it was going to be an earthquake if Youngkin win won. But, um, man— uh, sitting here Tuesday night watching <clears throat> what was going on in New Jersey, the initial returns came in. It was about 3%. And they're going, Chiarelli and Murphy are tied. You go, oh, that's kind of interesting. Uh, can't hold up, right? I mean, we all know New Jersey is incredibly blue. But then the returns got up to 50%. Then they're up around 80%. And it's still tied. And at this point, you're thinking, this is a volcano that's going on in America right now. If the voters of New Jersey are split 50-50 over what's going on in their state and in the country, this has <clears throat> got to be sending an incredible message to the Democratic Party if they will listen. And, you know, <clears throat> there are a lot of seats in, well, you just mentioned the 10 seats that were lost in the legislature in New Jersey. There are a lot of swing congressional districts or a significant number of swing congressional districts in New Jersey. And those Democratic members of Congress just have to be frightened right now that the course they are on uh, with the spending and uh, the taxes have got to be a shocker to New Jersey. As I wrote in my column, Joe Biden keeps whispering into the microphone <laughs> about taxes. Pay your fair share. Pay your fair. Well, you know what? Everyone in New Jersey already pays their fair share. Their taxes are through the roof. And uh, yeah, they it's, know that. It's not cute. It's not cute because it's one of those – the Long Island's almost as bad. And when people accuse you of skirting that, it drives you nuts. And that's Absolutely. why it's more than a political point uh, and more than a culture war, trumped-up culture war. So what is the message the Democrats got? Not to change, not to stop the reconciliation bill, not to pay attention to the border, not to get our people out of Afghanistan, not to attack of inflation, not to empty the barges, uh, the casings off the barges. This is what Joe Biden said. Cut, this is the questions he gets in his answer. Cut 17. What's your message, though, for Democratic voters, especially black voters, who see Republicans running on race, education, lying about critical race theory, and they're worried that Democrats don't have an effective way to push back on that? Well, I think that uh, the whole answer is just to speak the truth, lay out where we are. 
We have to speak to them, though. We have to speak to them and explain them. Look, I just think people are at a point, and it's understandable, where there's a whole lot of confusion. Really? Are we confused as a people? And by the way, what a question. Republicans are using race as an issue, uh, racism as an issue, by challenging the school boards? You know, they keep saying this, and I think I'm I'm convinced, Brian, that this is one reason Virginia and New Jersey turned out the way it did. And incidentally, let's not lose uh, sight of some of the other races. You had a true moderate Democrat uh, elected uh, mayor in New York City defeating two several progressives in the primary. The people of Buffalo uh, re-elected the black incumbent over the woman who was running a socialist. They rejected her. The Minneapolis defund the police vote lost by 57%. Every time these ideas are put to a vote these days, they lose, Brian. And yet they are so, the Democrats in Congress seem to be so obtuse that they just refuse to get the message. I watched some of CNN last night, uh, Tuesday night, believe it or not, and some of them, like Van Jones, were sitting around saying, we're not quite sending the right message to the American people. We're rubbing them the wrong way. We're offending them. And yet, Nancy Pelosi is going to try to increase the spending in that uh, welfare bill today or tomorrow and vote it. Uh, So somehow they have convinced themselves that they are doing the right thing. But the American people are confused, as Joe Biden just said. They're not confused. If they want to ride this uh, elevator down to the basement, uh, they should feel free. Uh, lastly, do you, uh, do you believe your exit question would be, do you believe this reconciliation package will pass? I, I do not think it's going to pass, Brian. Um, they're going in the wrong direction for Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema. The corporate minimum corporate tax is back in there. Uh, the entitlements on uh, page, paid leave are back in there. The rate, and especially that raising the cap on uh, state and local taxes from ten thousand to seventy-two thousand loses a tremendous amount of revenue. Joe Manchin is not going to sign up for that. So I think we're just going to roll this forward to the end of the year. I don't. I just see no way that this is going to pass as long as uh, Joe Manchin um, sticks to his guns. And if the squad does what they're going to do, that means no $1.2 trillion vote. Amazing. Dan Henniger, Wall Street Journal. Dan, thanks so much. Great to be with you, Brian. Absolutely. one 408 I'll come back with your calls, get your insight. Then I'll find out what really happened in New Jersey with a guy who's as experienced as anyone you'll meet in that state, Harry Hurley. A legend, especially in Atlantic City. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't go anywhere. Brian Kilmeade will be right back. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I just saw it to confirm that we have a divided country. When you think of two blue states or one state, Virginia has been leaning blue and been fairly blue for 10 years. Georgia has always been historically blue. 
and to see what had happened and how close and how divided. Can you imagine 2.2 million votes in New Jersey and 100 or 200 vote separation, how close it was in Virginia? Um, I think, I hope it's a wake-up call for all of us. We but need to do Democrats our jobs. Take- yeah, but the problem is it's not. I mean, it's unbelievable, but they're not waking up. So this is what makes it so frustrating. Watching Nancy Pelosi have another press conference talking about putting two bills, pushing both bills, the reconciliation bill, which Joe Manchin's not going to go for. There's a chance he's going to cave, but, I mean, what indication is he, he's going to cave? I, I don't know. He would have caved already. Why put him? Why go through this, this Democratic agony? The word yesterday from Axios was that Kirsten Gillibrand was chasing him or literally chasing him around the Senate floor saying, we need, chi- you know, we need uh, child care. We need child care. We need paid leave. And here's how you had to put it in. Look at these stats. It's going to save. And if you were going to cave, wouldn't you have caved already? And he must have thought, okay, I'm seeing these elections. As bad as it is for my party, they're going to realize that I'm right. I'm right. But what the party is interpreting it as is if we only passed our agenda and looked more unified, we wouldn't have had this problem. I don't know. I, does anyone get that message? Do you ever talk to people offline? Of course, Pete, you want people to get the best health care, the best daycare. You want people to be rich and famous and everything they want to be. But the way our country is set up is not cradle-to-grave social welfare. It doesn't work in any country, and the guy that's pushing it has never had a good job in his life. He, vaca- he vacationed in the Soviet Union. He compliments Cuba's medical system. That, that's Bernie Sanders. He was supposed to be comic relief. Now he's the leader, and he got the budget. And when you don't go with Bernie, when you go with Bernie Sanders, that's a huge problem. When Manchin looks at the outlier, that's a huge issue. Nuts. Nuts. And here's what James Carville said about that. Cut 20. What went wrong was just stupid wokeness. All right. You just, don't just look at Virginia and New Jersey. Look at Long Island. Look at Buffalo. Look at Minneapolis. Even look at Seattle, Washington. I mean, just defund the police lunacy to take Abraham Lincoln's name off of schools. I mean, that people see that. And it, 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 it's, it's just really a, have a suppressive effect all across the country. The Democrats, some of these people need to go to a woke detox center or something. I mean, they're, they're expressing a language that people just don't use. And there's a backlash and a frustration at that. And I don't think it's, it's necessarily a detox. I don't think they're going to change. They shouldn't be the leaders. That's the problem. There was always extremists on both sides. They're just never going to budge. You know, there's people that just don't want to spend a dollar. They don't, they, they'll, they'll travel in mass transportation and, you know, they won't buy paper goods for their office. And there's other people that everything is bad about America. We want to change it all. They never were in leadership before. And as I, Congressman Cuellar alerted me to this, I did not know it because I, I can't, I don't collect the rosters of big time Democrats. And one thing he said is that everybody around the president is left wing. And the president's getting in the impression, my words now, that that is the mainstream of the party and that Manchin needs to be reined in. And when he sees Manchin, he sees a buddy you hung out with. They used to work together. Of course, the moderate, we're both moderates. We understand where states that we're from. We don't necessarily swing with the wild left. But now he looks at Manchin as somebody he could rein in to the left. And he doesn't care. I mean, what does he care? He's probably 68 years old. He's already been governor. He's already been attorney general. The word is he's, he's extremely wealthy. So why would you want to win over the squad? So, you know, get a good restaurants in Queens or the upper, upper peninsula of Michigan? I don't know. So listen to this. What I think is astounding is people like, uh, in my view, Jake Tapper and Anderson Cooper 
uh, despite the way they lean, there's, there's a reasonableness to their questions. And when you get an unreasonable answer, they'll push. Here's an example. Pramila Jayapal, who finds herself in a leadership position, ill-equipped. Cut 22. You saw what happened last night. Do you take any blame in this? Look, I think that um, the whole issue that we see from voters last night is people do need help from us. And that's what we've been working to do with the president's Build Back Better agenda. You're saying people last night were saying that they need help. It doesn't seem like they're asking you, progressive Democrats, for help. It seems like they're asking now Republicans for help. Republicans did well last night. They did. And I think part of that is, you know, look, we have to pay attention to local politics. And um, I think that Democrats are the party of parents, not Republicans. The timing of this was obviously awkward. This doesn't mean anything for the midterms. That's yeah, it's awkward. Unbelievable. Harry Hurley's going to be with us next. Inside what happened in New Jersey uh, and how that ripples across the country. The other thing is law and order. People do not hate the police. They want to work with the police. We had a year without him. Didn't work. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. It's surprising, although you saw the trend line moving for a long time. uh, Because Chitterelli started way behind and Murphy started way ahead. And slowly, in fits and starts, Chitterelli has been closing that gap. I understand what's happening in Virginia, and that's the Republicans are celebrating that. But to have it happen in New Jersey is pretty special. And that's a, this is a very blue state. And to have it turn around like this is, um, I'd say, a very good sign for the Republicans and a very bad sign for the Democrats. I would say so, too. But what about Harry Hurley, who knows New Jersey almost as well as former Governor Keene? Uh, he joins us now, talk show host on WPG Talk Radio, 1450 over at Atlantic City, and fills in here. He's got a brand-new article out. Check it out, New York, uh, New Jersey elections. You can win spending $253 and lose spending $7 million. Uh, Harry, welcome back. Brian, great to be with you, and uh, wonderful news about the great success of your new book, The President and the Freedom Fighter. Yeah, the thanks best. for the interview. I appreciate it, and thanks for reading it. Uh, well, in New Jersey, were you one of the few not surprised that uh, Jack Chitterelli is so close? Not saying this to sound good on the Brian Kilmeade show. I knew it was close. I knew the polls were wrong. The polls, Brian, are always wrong. Uh, he wasn't trailing by 12, 11, 10, 8, as they said at the end. It was a pick em. Very, very close. Uh, I heard my good friend, Governor Kane, who won a landslide himself in 1981. This was very similar Although Jack Chitterelli is not going to make it, Brian, eerily similar. Jimmy Carter, horrible president, high gas prices, high inflation, terrible dour mood. You have the current mood now with Joe Biden. He's an infection on this country in terms of where we are right now. It's almost identical. The difference is there were a million more Democrats out of like four million voters than there were Republicans. And Jack Chitterelli just couldn't barely just couldn't overcome it. So tell me about uh, tell me about uh, Sweeney. Steve Sweeney uh, seems to have be on the precipice of losing his seat to a non-union truck driver named Eddie Doerr. Correct. Durr, excuse who, me. Who never has never run for anything. No one knows who he is. 
Uh, he probably didn't think he had any chance. Out of the $153 that he spent in his campaign, a source of mine tells me $67 of it was at Dunkin' Donuts. This is crazy. It's only possible in bizarro world. But this gives you an idea. People were talked all night about Virginia. The big story was New Jersey. Look what happened. The second highest ranking elected official in the state. And he lost. It's just not certified yet. He's 2,000-plus votes down. He's done. His two running mates lost. This was uh, like the earth shifted Tuesday night in New Jersey. Sweeney pulled uh, – rather, uh, uh, Murphy pulls it off barely. Sweeney goes down. He was already running for governor in 2025, and now he's out. What about – so is it 10 seats overall went Republican? Well, they're not certified yet. One of the Senate seats is within 500 votes. Uh, Gopal in District 11, uh, he was a Republican turned Democrat. Uh, so if that holds, then those numbers are correct. Democrats might barely hold the majority, but Governor Murphy will be dealing with very evenly divided upper and lower chambers. Harry, uh, by the way, I turned to Harry Hurley. Uh, he's bringing us inside New Jersey politics because it's a national story. Harry, looking at what's happening right now in your state, uh, I'm seeing that a lot of people were giving Murphy credit where I looked at it as crackdown. I mean, I thought he was actually draconian in some of his roles, the way he uh, took forever to release uh, all his mandates and his mask mandates, especially along with the schools. People thought that was being responsible. Do you think that played a role in the 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 uh, the tightness of this election? Huge role. And I know you're uh commentaries on this topic. You are right. He was wrong. He did too much. I mean, look at Governor DeSantis. He gets trashed. They have the lowest transmission rate in America right now. You can do both. You can be careful. You can be responsible. And you still have to live. He went too far. The nursing home thing was also, uh, even if it wasn't top of mind, people didn't forget it. And yes, I believe it was an accumulation award of a lot of heavy-handed stuff, a third of the businesses that will never reopen again, uh, people that did not agree, even people of his own party that thought that he went too far. He thought he was doing the right thing, uh, and yeah, he paid a price for that, but barely squeaks this one out. So do you, you know, Chris Christie was on with us, and I know you know him well, and he thought Murphy wanted a big win and then run for president. Did you hear he had presidential ambitions, and do you think they're destroyed now? Uh, yes and yes. Uh, every governor looks in the mirror just like every 100 of the senators look in the mirror every morning and they see the next president of the United States. When you're one of 50, you look at yourself as you could be if lightning strikes, you could be the next president of the United States. Chris Christie saw it, governor of New Jersey. Uh, just about every governor uh, thinks about it. Ron DeSantis, you know, you know him. Uh, he's thinking about it right now. Uh, yes, sure he is. And, and is it destroyed? Probably, because when you eke out a win, uh, the likes of what this will be like 50-point low to 49 in a state where you started uh, a million seconds ahead or a million minutes ahead of your opponent in a, in a, in a half-mile race, uh, he, he, didn't, he didn't win and show that he has the legs for a national campaign with what happened on Tuesday. So what's interesting is uh, tell me what your interpretation was when Bernie Sanders showed up to help Governor Murphy. I thought – Really? Are people concerned that you're not spending enough or being taxed enough? I, what was that about? Here's my feeling on that, Brian, because that, that really made people scratch their head, but not me, and I'll tell you why. 
I, he was shoring up his base at that point. He had to make sure he, they knew how close this was going to be. No matter what you hear, they knew it was a close race. And I know he admitted it to me that he was in a very, very close race. So he brings in Bernie Sanders. He brings in a lot of the Obama bots. And it's because he needed to shore up his base to make sure that, that to get out the vote of his most ardent supporters was not suppressed and suppressed. He did bring in President Obama, too. You know, this yep. is interesting. President Obama went to save the day in Virginia and didn't. And he goes to uh, to salt away that victory for Murphy and barely didn't. You can't even say he had an impact. In fact, no, his instincts he, in Virginia was, was terrible. Negative. What was his speech like and message there? I would I, again. I think it was all base driven because if you had the base locked up, you'd do what Youngkin did. Youngkin didn't bring in President Trump, yet he didn't turn off the Trump supporters. He widened the net. He did so well in counties that were blue. He turned them red. Uh, Chitterelli did a great job. He turned three counties that were blue and turned them red. This was, I believe, Governor Murphy not feeling that he had his own most loyal base locked up, and he needed to bring out the big titans to get people jazzed up to make sure that they came out to vote. Because if if he had that locked up, you wouldn't have done that. Do you have an idea of when they'll certify this? It's so close. uh, And I'm just wondering if they're going to, they already had one double counting situation. Could you tell us about that? And do you think that, uh, do you think that Cettarelli should do something now to make sure they got this right? Well, I talked to Jack yesterday. He's not conceding, uh, and he may may, and I can't confirm this on the Brian Kilmeade show, but he may request a um, a recount. As you know, and I want your listeners to know, Brian, in New Jersey, there is no automatic recount in the close elections like they have in Florida, and they have in many states. So you have to request it, and then there's an economic issue as well. But if you're that close and you think there's tabular errors uh, and that you could turn a one-point race around, the money will be there. Chitterelli spent as much as uh, Governor Murphy did. I think that if if we see the rest of it, 90 percent of the vote is in right now, and you're at a situation where Governor Murphy has just under a 30,000-vote lead out of 2.5 million votes cast, 10 percent of the vote is left to still be counted. By by the way, I think the Associated Press was very unprofessional to call the race when 10 percent of the vote was still out. Makes me believe that they're an operative, almost a Democrat operative, because you just sit back, let the vote come in, and if he's still up, you call it then. 30,000 vote lead was still 10 percent of the vote. Now, I will say it's three counties where Governor Murphy has done very well that a significant number of votes are still going to come in for him. I predict that when those votes come in and are counted and the vote by mail and any stragglers that have up to six days to get in, that's another reason not to call it now and for Chitterelli to keep all of his uh, options open. There's six days to get more votes in for people that mailed them on Election Day. It's so close. Why would you run that hard, do everything he did, and not not take the final step. I think he should. Why not? It's all new technology in many parts of New Jersey. Test it. See if it worked. Absolutely. So in terms of what the big picture means between Virginia, New Jersey, and the pushback against the defund the police movement, that's my takeaway. Uh, So I was very curious to see what Democrats are going to do, and it looks like they're still pushing ahead with their agenda. Here's what Rand Paul said, cut 32. And yet you have Democrats saying, well, we just didn't pass all of our socialist spend and debt. We didn't pass it all fast enough. That's why the voters are upset with us. That kind of explanation is bizarre and makes no sense whatsoever. 
But that's what's going on right now. Nancy Pelosi is speaking. Joe Manchin spoke yesterday. They're not budging, but maybe they're going to jam something through the House and put all the pressure on the moderates. Uh, I'm, I'm just I've never seen such poor leadership and such tone deaf uh, policy. World, I'm on Team Kilmeade. It's ridiculous for what happened in the Commonwealth of Virginia and in New Jersey with everything that just happened to come back the next morning and say we didn't do enough. We're so woke, broke, and a joke that we need to do more of that. We didn't lose because we're doing terrible things and that America is completely pissed off. No, no, we, we lost because we weren't woke enough. Who was it that said it? Um, Uh, on Fox News yesterday, Rubio, Senator Rubio. He said it's no longer left versus right. It's crazy versus normal. Hey, you know what? We have it. We we actually have that soundbite. So let's listen. Cut 30. Last night was the beginning of that pushback, and I think it's going to continue. And and you ask about the agenda here. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. It's these people are governing like they have a mandate to radically remake the country. It's build back socialism. It doesn't matter if it's $1.75 trillion or $3.5 trillion. They want to take control of pre-K, of child care, the only two elements of education they don't control now. They want to take control of that. They want to hire 80,000 IRS agents. So the pushback is only going to grow. And, and this administration, by the way, has been disastrous on everything. And that it, he's just calling it like he sees it. There's every little opinion there. Can you believe they're putting together a, a, a green militia to police us? It's, it's, it's wild. The tectonic political plates of the earth shifted on Tuesday. You couldn't have a better setup for the midterm election that just breathing air, 28 seats change hands. Republicans need to pick up about three or four Mm -hmm. in the House, as you know, one in the Senate. Uh, We're going to see this is going to carry over into this national midterm season, which already has begun. Wow. And my exit question to you, Harry, I think the best thing to happen to President Trump and his fortunes was being take off social media. And if you think about it, we thought that you can't do anything in life without Facebook and Twitter, and you got to be able to get followers and get messages out and make news. By pulling back and not getting his every thought forward, the idea that we're focusing on his policies and comparing it to what we have, and I think he looks better every day. What do you think about my theory? Well, so do I. And as you know, full disclosure on Brian's show, I love President Trump. He's my former boss. He was very good to me at a very young age, gave me a job I had no business having, and really set me on my path for life. So, uh, you know, I, I have You're nothing biased. but fond feelings there. <laughs> I have nothing but fond feelings. However, you are absolutely correct. And, you know, let the absence makes the heart grow fonder. There's a reason 80 percent of Republicans want President Trump to be the Republican nominee. And what is it, Brian? 30 percent want Biden to be the nominee of the Democrat Party, and he's in. Uh, So, yes, let your work well, everything that Trump stood for, it was a dollar seventy-six for a gallon of gas. It's four dollars today. You look at no inflation. We have wicked inflation. I promise you, if my former boss were running things, he would have fixed because he's a businessman and can fix things. They would have fixed the supply chain. It wouldn't be broken. They're telling people, "Hey, don't buy Christmas presents." You know, it's our fault. We spend lower your standards. Yes, come on. So yes, uh, less of less of that more of showing the results of what they meant. All right, Harry, always great. I love the New Jersey insight. I did not think we'd have so much intrigue in your state, but maybe it'll turn purple and make your show even more intriguing uh, and make it less of a a Democratic layup. Harry, thanks so much. To quote Brian Kilmeade, go get him. All right, thank you. Yes, I did invent that term. 
and I lent it to Lombardi in the 60s. Uh, listen, when we come back, I'm going to find out if there's more to know. And just remind you, meet me in Staten Island tonight at the Barnes & Noble. Go to BrianKillMe.com. Just register so you have an idea that you're coming. It's going to be in the mall, so you could do. You can go to the Gap. You can go play some video games. Uh, what else do we have in there for sure? Orange Julius. Do we still have an Orange Julius in the mall? I'm not sure. Oh, what, what's your favorite type of shot? You got to get that. Get, was it melon ball shots for uh, for everybody? Like, there's no bars in malls. They, I think G-rated. Just bars have somebody no go ball. around with melon ball shots. Hey, free melon ball shots. I was. I hadn't done shots in a while, and I quickly was asked, "What kind of shot do I want to do?" And I have never been allowed to forget it. I chose melon balls. Back in a moment. Expanding your knowledge base. It's Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Lincoln was smitten with Douglas. He knew that he was a, a prophetic figure. He knew that he carried some baggage with him politically, but he wanted to meet Douglas. I mean, they were the two great orators. And, you know, Douglas was stunned at how Lincoln could craft things like the Gettysburg Address. That Gettysburg Address was in the soul of Frederick Douglass. And that is a little bit of how uh, Doug Brinkley helped me out for a special that airs November 7th at 10 o'clock. The President and the Freedom Fighter. We shot it over the course of four months. Four months, and it's uh, it's uh, I think it's great. I've, I've seen half of the screener. They're still editing it, so it'll be ten o'clock, November seventh. It's based on the book, The President, and The Freedom Fighter. Was out, came out on Tuesday. Uh, thankfully, a lot of you are getting it. You're going to see me tonight uh, in Staten Island. If you go out there in the uh, in the mall at Barnes and Noble, uh, I hope to see you out there. Any confusion, just register BrianKillMe.com. This way, they'll give you a bracelet. Make sure you're front uh, front of the line. Then over in Friday, on Friday in the Atlanta area, Lawrenceville to be specific, Books a Million. Saturday in Lexington, Kentucky, it's a book festival. All the information is on my website. Just click on Book Tour. It's all right there. And Sunday, a couple of seats left, some Sims great seats left at 4 o'clock on Sunday. I know everything in West Virginia is college football, so Sunday you should be free. Four o'clock, and this way you can get to bed early and get ready for school and work the next day. I'll be talking about everything on stage, all my books, what made America great, but it's the President and Freedom Fighter Tour. And then I'll have a VIP opportunity where I get a chance to actually talk to you, which is the most fun I have. Let's find out if there's more to know. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-GOLD. Well, the husband of Rust's cinematographer, Helena Hutchins, to file a wrongful death lawsuit uh, against the movie Armor, says she is not ready to speak. Uh, he, she is not ready to speak yet. After attorney claimed the saboteur put live rounds in gun Alec Baldwin's uh, gun that Alec Baldwin fired. Sources told the outlet that there will be multiple defendants in the suit and it will be filed on behalf of Matthew and their son, Andrus, who's nine following her death on October 21st. This is getting more and more intriguing. So no one's saying Alec Baldwin was acting haphazard, but they're saying somebody loaded the gun and didn't tell the second hand. Uh, second director. Amazing. Next, UNC Wilmington pays Nicole Hannah-Jones, the creator of the 1619 Project, $16,500 for a 55-minute speech. Unbelievable. The event consisted of a 40-minute speech along with 15 minutes of Q&As. I would love that speaking agent. Unbelievable. And Google to provide $20 million in career support for military families. That is awesome. 
All right, listen, I hope to see everybody tonight in Staten Island. I hope to see you more tomorrow on Fox and & Friends. And go to briankilme.com. If you want a personalized book, briankilme.com. Click on it. Tell me what you want to write. It goes to my local store. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.